0: DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SOS for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SOS only at DraftKings Sportsbook. What's up, sons and daughters? It's Sam Jesse with the crew from the locks of Saturday. It is week eight. I have Brett, Robert, Ed, and Chris on the line with me tonight. What's up, guys? How are we feeling?
1: The game of the century is unfolding before our eyes with Coastal and App State, and we're here recording the podcast. Absolutely.
0: Would have been a much better game if App State had showed up to the their other midweek game last week against Louisiana, but instead they got absolutely clowned. By the raging Cajuns, so but yeah, it's a good game going on behind us. Her.
2: Century last week too, between uh, Kentucky and Georgia, that at Georgia betters that one hurt.
0: That one did hurt, especially since this podcast was unanimous on Georgia and had it correct until the very, very end. That was brutal. Yeah, that's pretty bad. But overall, we're still doing well. Brett still ahead of the leaderboard. You are at twenty-one and fifteen. I'm right behind you at 20 and 15. Uh, gained a game on Robert, who is now at 19 and 16. Mike, who is not with us tonight, is at 16 and 19. Chris, 14 and 21 for the reigning champ. But a lot of time left to go. A lot of time left to go. Ed, right behind him at 13 and 22. Ed, still a lot of time left to go. We're about the midway point, so plenty of time. An interesting note about last week. We've talked so much about how well home teams are doing against the spread, especially in the games that we're picking. Last week, road teams, 4-1 and on the show. 4-1 and against the spread on the show. We'll see how that is this week. I'm a little bit nervous with how much I like the road teams this week, but we'll see. And as always, guys, thank you so much for the interactions on Twitter. Hit up our Twitter at Locks of Saturday. You can also hit up our parent account at Sons of Sat VT. Also check out some of the awesome national coverage that Sons of Saturday has. Our very own Mike McDaniels on the national podcast. We also have Justin Cates writing some really good articles on the website. All right. You guys ready? Let's do it. Well, I don't want to bring up a sore subject so quickly, but I'm going to do it. The Pittsburgh Panthers. Are probably in their best position to have a special season for a very, very long time. They host the Clemson Tigers and Pittsburgh is three-point favorites. That's where the line is tonight at Wednesday night on DraftKings Sportsbook. Clemson plus three at Pittsburgh. This game will be on ESPN at 330. The over-under is set at 47 and a half. Brett, you are a leader in the clubhouse. What say you about the Panthers and the Tigers?
2: I don't know the answer to this. I've seen this question been asked a bunch of times, but I don't know if anybody here knows it. When was the last time Clemson was an underdog against an ICC team? Does anybody know the answer? Just
1: 2016, 2016 against Louisville. I heard it earlier today.
2: Uh, see, I just I'd And they it. won, by the way. I have seen it tweeted a bunch, but I couldn't uh I could I never saw the answer. I couldn't see it or never saw it. So anyway. Um that being said, yeah, Kenny Two Gloves. What a season he's having. Got to give him credit to the guy for he's been there for like 25 years. Uh, he's been incredible all year. Um, he shredded us. Oh, actually, you know what? I won't say he shredded us last week. I won't say that. I think I. I really don't think he actually played as good as, as he had been last week against us. Obviously, we know the issues that Virginia Tech has. We don't need to go into them now. We'll go into them later. Well, we won't go into them later, depending how long anybody wants to talk about. Them. But we're talking about Clemson right now, and yes, Clemson has looked horrible. I mean, the offense. Their actual offense is actually might be worse than Virginia Tech's, which is saying something. They actually have less points scored than we do by, I think it's like three or four points total, the, the statistic that came out today. Um, but that being said, I think I'm going with Clemson here. I think this is their get-back game. I have been, I feel like I've been saying that last few weeks. I think this is it. This is by far the best defense Kenny Pickett has faced all year. It's not even close. Like Virginia Tech has a pretty solid defense. And honestly, if the offense could have stayed on the field last week, Virginia Virginia Tech's defense probably would hold them to fewer points, but they were on the field literally literally 80% of the game it felt like. So, I mean, holding, them, holding a team that's been scoring 55 points a game to 28 as they were on the field the whole game still did a pretty good job. And Clemson's defense, as we know, is probably better than Virginia Tech's. It is better than Virginia Tech's. Um, Dabo Sweeney's eventually going to coach them to win a football game, especially a ranked opponent. He's going to get them to win a game. It's coming. It's this weekend against Pittsburgh. They're going to get up for this game. Now, do I know if the offense is going to show up for Clemson? At the rate it's going, no, their offensive line is pretty bad. But I don't think Pittsburgh's defense is that good. Virginia Tech's offense is that bad. Every team's offense they played, besides Western Michigan, is that bad. Western Michigan put up 45. If you also put their defense offense, is not that great. So I think they're going to be able to pull it off in a low-scoring game, kind of like the BC game. I think they're going to hold them to less than 24, maybe even less than that. I think it's going to be a slugfest. I think Clemson's going to get it done on the road.
0: Just to point out how incredibly, shockingly bad Clemson's offense has been. We'll get into Virginia Tech at the end of the podcast, but it has been statistically worse than Virginia Tech's. They are 114th in the country in EPA per pass. They're 115th in EPA per rush. Uh, They are 101st in third and fourth down. They're 108th in first and second down success rate. So uh, they are statistically one of the worst five offenses in division one football. It's, it's, it's really shocking. It's insane
2: to think about from where they were. I mean, it really is insane.
0: It it's, it doesn't make sense. But then again, like you sometimes forget how, you know, how much they lost. And also they've recruited very, very well. Obviously, they've recruited most of those guys defensively, like they're getting their top recruits mostly on the defensive side of the ball, not on the offensive side of the ball. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh here because I think they're just playing so much better football and we're at the point in the season where we have to throw away like our preconceived notions of teams, you know, like obviously Clemson's more talented, right? Like Clemson should win this game. But the Clemson we're seeing this year, 2021 Clemson is not a better team than 2021 Pittsburgh. And that's the thing that I, I want, I agree with you, Brett, like I want Clemson to win this game at some point. I want them to you know, come out of their shell, but it hasn't happened yet. And it hasn't happened yet against much worse competition. I mean, they couldn't, they couldn't handle Boston college. They couldn't handle Syracuse. No part of me thinks that they're going to go up there and handle Pittsburgh, Who is probably a much better team than we give them credit for. Yes, they do have some weaknesses, but I i mean, if Pittsburgh can score 28 points, they win this game. And I'm pretty sure Pittsburgh is going to score 28 points. So give me the Panthers in this just for some against the spread trends as well. Clemson is 0-7 against the spread in their last seven games. Um, and Pittsburgh is six and one against the spread in their last seven games. These are two teams that are going in polar opposite directions. Does it make sense? No, it does not. But that's what's happening. I like the Panthers in this one. I think Pittsburgh could win this game by multiple touchdowns, the way Clemson's offense is playing. I, I really do. Wow. I really do. I mean, they that is cool. a take. Is it though? Is it last year? would have been a take. This year? It's not a take. It's Save not. a that. Hit
3: save that for freezing cold takes because that is going to be something that's going to come back to hunt. Guaranteed. Oh, guarantee. I I
0: think it, I'm if not guaranteeing
2: anything, but that's a Dabo Sweeney coach football team. That's hard to say.
0: I mean, would you, you would have said it for Boston college. You would have said it for, I mean, the only game this season that Clemson has looked like Clemson, they played South Carolina state.
2: I mean, that's fair. No, I mean, I'm not going to argue that. I mean, Clemson's look pretty bad.
0: Yeah.
3: I know cool. Robbie, uh, I, I know Robbie, you're next. Educate Sam. Please speak some sense to him. I, I think I might know where you're headed. If you're not heading that way, I'll be surprised. But just, just let, let, let's get this thing back on track.
1: Just to remind everyone, I am legally obligated to go in the direction that Chris is insinuating because I'm married to a Clemson family. Uh, regardless of that, I just can't fathom that we seriously have a line where we are giving the Clemson Tigers points in an ACC football game. And regardless of like where you stand on how good Clemson is like, that's crazy. It really is. And like we said earlier, it's the first time since 2016 when they were facing uh, Lamar Jackson and Louisville. I mean, that that's pretty wild. Um, I think Vegas is basically begging you to take money on the Tigers here. Um, because they've been getting killed by, well, actually Vegas has probably been doing pretty well, I guess, with people betting on Clemson and then Clemson not covering. Um, but I think Ve- Vegas is begging you to take money on Clemson here. Uh, and some people may look at this. Some people like Sam may look at this and quote Admiral Akbar and say, it's a trap. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to do my Admiral Adbar impression, uh, unless y'all really want it, but
3: I, I want it. Well, now you have to do it. Dang it. <laughs> it's a trap. All right. That was very good. Anyway, yeah. Thank that was you. was really
4: good.
1: <laughs> thank you. I watch a lot of Star Wars. Um, but if this really is a trap, I'm falling for it. Clemson, like Sam said, is 0-7 in their last seven against the spread, 0-6 this season. Uh, and I think you can view that in two ways. Number one is the trend is Clemson doesn't cover the spread. So, it's logical to think that they wouldn't again, but at the same time, I feel like the law of averages has to kick in at some point and covering zero of six spreads is like, that's borderline anomalous, you know, like that is so hard to do. Um, and eventually Clemson has to cover one spread. And I think that that's this week as, as negative as the energy around the tigers has been, particularly on offense, Their defense has still been pretty spectacular. They've only given up more than 14 points once, and that was against NC State where they gave up 27 in overtime. Meanwhile, I do think that Virginia Tech did lay a bit of groundwork in how to limit Pitt's um, crazy explosive offense. Um, I think that they did enough to slow Pickett down. They forced him into some mistakes, not necessarily interceptions, but into some incompletions. And they made him look human when he has not thus far. Um, And Clemson still has what I would probably say is the best defense in the conference. Um, Despite the injuries that they've had up front, I still think that they're the best defense in the ACC. Uh, Most importantly, Pitt is a very pass-heavy offense with Pickett. And Clemson is 14th in covering the pass according to Pro Football Focus. Led by Goodrich, who's a very good corner. Also, I think Clemson will have a little bit of opportunity to get some pressure on Pickett. Xavier Thomas has been coming into his own uh, these last few games. He has three and a half sacks in his last four games. He's playing really well, as is Miles Murphy. Um, I think if Clemson can hold Pitt, we've all kind of been throwing out the number. But if you can hold him around 20 or 24-ish, I think that this becomes a pretty winnable game for Clemson. Um, I, I'm suspicious of Pitt's defense. Um, I think that they've just been so so thus far, especially giving up 45 to Western Michigan. I think that you can look at uh Pitt holding Virginia Tech to seven points and think, wow, classic Pitt defense. But in reality, that's more an indictment on Virginia Tech having a horrible offense. Um, I th- I think I see DJ getting a touchdown or two. Um, kind of break the seal a little bit. He's clearly talented. He just needs the confidence. I think that this will be um, part of a a small step in a longer process of DJ becoming more confident. He'll get a touchdown maybe two, start to build it up a little bit, and uh, Clemson will do just enough to cover the spread and possibly even win the game.
3: All right, I feel compelled to... Not only take Irby's narrative, the fact that Clemson is just the overall better team. When I say better team, I mean the entire program in and of itself. And I'll just kind of explain why this is an insane line for Clemson to be an underdog in two words: Pat Narduzzi. All right, it's a Pat Narduzzi coach, Pittsburgh football team, and what are we talking about here? They're playing Clemson, they're home favorite. So what is Pitt as a home favorite versus anybody as the uh, the record since I, I can't remember how long it has been. I think since been since. 2015. As a home team, they're 17 and 24 and 1, 41% against the spread. Uh, as a home favorite, not just a home team, 9, 17 and 1, so 34.6%. Uh, not to mention the fact that as a home team, it's pit. They don't have a home advantage. There is no crowd there my guess is this will be a sporadically populated football stance of which maybe the handful of Pittsburgh fans will come out and watch a team do what they're going to do, which is disappoint their team, excuse me, uh, be disappointed at home with another overinflated Pittsburgh line here. Um, then you on, on the other side, you look at Clemson under Dabo, which has been there for quite some time. And granted, there's not a lot of games with him as an underdog, uh, but 16 and nine just overall as an underdog. So 64, 64%, um, that's just the actual trends against the spread then you look into the actual how these teams are performing this year and i guess as an older virginia tech fan this clemson team reminds me of a vintage mid-2000s virginia tech program amazing on defense insanely bad on offense and yet they still find a way to win almost 10 plus games per year so uh if it weren't for georgia people wouldn't notice how good Clemson's defense actually is this year, but they're the second rated scoring defense and overall defense in college football this year, 12.5 points per game. They're not giving up points to anybody. And the reason they're so bad against the spread is because their offense is so bad. And then you look at it and they've been favored by double digit scores every single week and they have been able to cover it. But now we're looking at them as a true underdog on the road in the ACC against a historically bad performing home favorite team in Pittsburgh And you just have to do the math. This is the math that lines up to where Clemson should go into this game. And, you know, they're not probably going to be able to blow out Pittsburgh because they don't have the offense, but they should win. And I found it funny that Irby pointed out that Virginia Tech laid the blueprint on how to beat this. This is a Brett Venables-led defense. He doesn't need a blueprint from anybody. He's just going to know how to beat this. De- He's going to know how to beat Pittsburgh. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? <laughs> you know, that this is the second coming of a Bud Foster-esque type defensive coordinator out there. He knows exactly how to beat this Pittsburgh offense. And my guess is he'll probably put his players in a position to win the game. So uh, points out at a premium. I'm getting points with Clemson's defense. I'm not going to overthink this. I'm taking the Clemson Tigers plus four. I was this close to a lock and then I kind of acquiesced on it, but this is a lock, lock it up. Clemson is not going to lose this game. I think I'll probably say lock on against spread and lock on the actual straight up money line. Clemson wins this game. What are we doing?
4: I'm also going to go with Clemson here. I just think the, uh, the, against the spread numbers are interesting. And I think you brought up a good point there where they've been favored by so much early on until we kind of figured out who they really are. Um, I also don't think who they are is what we've seen so far. I think at some point um, they'll regress to the mean. And in this instance, it's not really regressing. I think they'll actually get better. They're way too talented to be this bad. I just find it so unbelievable that they're this bad. And maybe I'm an idiot and maybe Pitt will roll. But I think Virginia Tech had a good chance to beat Pitt last week if they had any any offense at all. So I'm just counting on Clemson's talent alone to give them that any offense at all. Um, and it'd be enough for them to cover the spread. I think outright win this game as well. Um, I hate this game. I went back and forth a few times, but I just find it so hard to believe that this offense with all that talent will continue to be this bad. And I think uh, the Clemson defense will be able to hold pit to a number that keeps it within range for the offense.
0: It's a big one. It's a big one for, I think, the ACC Atlantic more than it is the ACC Coastal, where Pittsburgh has more or less kind of locked things in, unless a miracle happens in Blacksburg. Pittsburgh's kind of has the Coastal locked up. The Atlantic is a bit more of a toss-up. So NC State, big Pittsburgh Panthers fans, as, as is Wake Forest. All right, let's take it out West. College game day decided to be a great idea. To go down to sunny Los Angeles. And the University of California, Los Angeles is hosting the Oregon Ducks. Oregon is two and a half point underdogs in this game. It'll be televised on ABC at 330. The over-under, 60 and a half. Brett, big game in the Pac-12. Nationally televised. Elite uniform matchup.
2: Yeah, elite uniform matchup. That's right. Uh, I couldn't tell you the last time i watched a... Pac-10 game, well, excuse me, Pack 12 game on national television at 3.30.
0: I was going to say it might be a really long time.
2: I couldn't tell you the last time that happened. It's It's been a long time. Maybe like, I don't know, well, maybe the Ch- Chip Kelly days at Oregon maybe. I don't know. That would be my last guess. But with anyway, both these teams, it's like they have two identities. I mean, Oregon's offense, especially the quarterback play, has been su- super suspect. UCLA's, UCLA's defense has been suspect at times. But they've also looked really good, and Oregon's also looked really good at times. Obviously, they beat Ohio State, but then they go and turn around and lose to Stanford. But that was a trap game from the get-go. Everybody knew that was coming in; that was a possibility. So, that being said, I really, I still really like Oregon here at UCLA. I still think there's the better team all the way around. Chip Kelly's, I think, a year or two away. I think he's got UCLA in the right direction. I picked them against LSU at the beginning of the year because I thought they were the better team, and I didn't think LSU was that good. Actually, it turns out LSU is actually really not good. So and they also lost to Fresno. Fresno's not a bad football team. Um, they have a great quarterback, probably an NFL draft pick quarterback, but I like Oregon as the dogs here, even at uh, at UCLA. I mean, nobody goes to their games. This is going to be like, this is like, oh, I guess maybe we should, act, the students like, I guess we should actually go to this game since we're playing, you know, on national television and the fans will go. So I'm on Oregon here, plus two and a half, them being dogs. I think they're, this is their chance to actually try to, get back to where they need to be. Um, I still think Chip Kelly is a year or two away from being super, being nationally relevant uh, football team. So go with Oregon here.
0: An interesting thing about these two teams, they don't play a ton being in different divisions in the Pac-12, but in the last 10 games that they have played, five and five against the spread for both teams. So according to Vegas, it's been a very even matchup. And one thing that I think is really interesting about this matchup is Oregon has so much hype, and then it seems to just die at Stanford. But it is very much alive that Oregon can make the college football playoff. Irby, you have that bet in there. Like it, it's very much there. Eleven and one as a Pac-12 champ. There's been enough craziness. I think that could get you in. However, the loss of CJ Verd- um, Verdal I think really really hurt the national perception of this team. But in his wake has been Travis Dye, who's a really highly touted recruit, really, really talented. Uh, last week against Cal, a decent Cal defense had 19 carries, 145 yards. Oregon can run. Oregon can run. They are currently 11th in the nation in EPA per rush. Uh, and then they're about midway on pass. So this is a team that likes to run, but has been okay, you know, offensively. Their issue offensively has been turnovers. And if they can clean up the turnovers, this is a well-oiled machine offense, and it's a really good run-stopping defense. And that's something that UCLA, they're so balanced on offense, right? They want to be kind of that 50-50 team run pass. I think Oregon matches up really well in this game, and I think their depth and their talent is going to show because UCLA looked really good against Hawaii. Right? Hawaii's bad this year. Looked really good against LSU. LSU is not that good this year. Lost to a good Fresno team you know there you know really what is UCLA we don't know we know Oregon can go toe to toe with pretty much anybody in the country talent wise i like Oregon some history against the spread doesn't look great for Oregon they're 1 and 5 against the spread this season however they're 8 and 1 straight up in their last 9 versus UCLA UCLA has been a darling of Vegas this year they're 5 and 2 against the spread in their last 7 i just think that this is one where You could see Anthony Brown be really good for Oregon. He could just have one of those, wow, where did that come from games? He has potential to do it. He has the ability to do it. UCLA is 101st in EPA per pass this season. They've not been very good in that area. Give me Oregon to win this one in the upset on the road. I love the points here. I love it. I love it. Lock it in. I'm going to lock it in. They're the better team by a mile.
1: Yeah, Sam, you are correct. I do have uh, some money on Oregon plus nine twenty to make the playoff, and it's looking a little hairy. I'll be honest, but hey, you know what? It's not dead yet. Better I than mean, the like LSU said, bet. Hey, I did not put my I did not put money on that because I knew I knew that that wasn't actually worth putting any money on. Uh, you asked for a long shot, and I I gave you one, and boy, is that a long shot. Um, but yes, Oregon, Oregon, yeah, I had them plus 920, but 11-1, 11-1, or maybe even 12-1 Pac-12 champ with a win over Ohio State. That's pretty appealing. Regardless, I don't need to get into a lot of detail about this. Um, Anthony Brown hasn't been great, but even so, at the very least, Oregon is still a New York Six quality football team. Nope, try again. New? Did I say New York Six? New York Six. God, that they're sounds like a the, high basketball You're going to be
3: in the pinstripe pool, and that's what you're trying to say. I, I
1: literally, on my notes, I, it said NY6, and I said, I ah, NY6. You're going to be York. facing
3: Rutgers in the pinstripe pool, <laughs> and we now know what's happening. So there you go.
0: <laughs> Oregon, don't cut any of that. Don't uh, cut any of it? It makes my job easier. All. Makes my job okay. easier.
1: All right. Slightly buzzed Derby on the podcast. Doesn't know the difference between New Year's and New York. All right. Oregon is still a New Year's Six quality football team. And Travis Dye, Sam mentioned it, he can run the hell out of the football. He really can. Um, You know, they kind of, one of the reasons why I was so in love with Oregon early on was they kind of had this uh, smash and dash or thunder and lightning type attack with their rushing attack with CJ Verdell and Travis Dye. The dash is gone, the lightning is gone, but Travis Dye. He's a powerful back and he runs the ball really well. And even though his work share may be too much, um, he's still pretty solid. And UCLA is not close to a New Year's six team or a New York six team. They are neither. Uh, and their home field advantage is non-existent. I, I'm honestly still dumbfounded at this line. Honestly, when I was looking at it earlier, it was a pick 'em, And now you're going to give Oregon two and a half points as an underdog. Like that is just, that is ridiculous. Uh, Sam, throw that cha-ching in there,
3: and maybe even a duck quack, because this is a lock. I'm going to give some time in order to allow both the the money and possibly some sort of duck call in there as well. But um, I, I'm going to have to zag here. Uh, here. Here's the thing for me, and this is just kind of what I've just been paying attention to in the narrative. I've been told by overall kind of ESPN kind of college football punditry that Mario Cristobal is this extremely special coach because he recruits at a high level, and yet we're in year four, and outside of having one special year with what we now know was a, a, a very special quarterback in Justin Herbert because we're seeing him light it up in the NFL, um, uh, is he that good? Do, do we know that he is actually that good? Um, he, he's got some good defensive kind of rushers, and, and obviously – You know, Thibodeau is the the epitome of that right now, but um, overall in the trenches, you know, I'm just not seeing Oregon as this instantly elite college football playoff contending immediate beat down the doors type football program that people were expecting for him to be able to produce, you know, to compete with those of like Georgia, Alabama and Ohio State. It's just, it just hasn't happened. And, you know, this is year four, you know, we should be expecting it. He is who we all think he is. Um, and I, I watch a pretty good amount of Pac 12 football, um, and I, I still don't see it to this point, you know. Um, so, year four straight up trends. Um, when this line originally came out, it was pick em, So, I looked mostly at straight up. It's still within a field goal. So, I still feel comfortable picking this game based off of straight up over against the spread. Um, and as an away team under Mario Cristobal, he's eight and seven. You know, at, in conference play, he's 20 and eight. And if he's supposed to be the next kind of producer of like an Alabama type program, 28 in conference and PAC 12, not that special. Um, PFF, you know, who does kind of that underlying uh, just kind of overall grading for the teams has Oregon and UCLA pretty much graded evenly across the board. The one differentiator is, you know, the ducks pass rush is pretty good. Obviously that's mostly contributed to the fact that KB on Thibodeau is probably going to be a top five NFL draft pick. Um, but you know, on the other side of the field is Chip Kelly and a pretty good three-pronged rushing attack, especially with a mobile quarterback and uh, Thompson Robinson there. And I just feel like they'll be able to scheme up a way to be able to basically mitigate Thibodeau as a threat in the pass rush game. So um, that's the other thing is UCLA as as a running football team. And I just feel like they'll be able to scheme something up to be able to sustain kind of that uh, kind of rush threat that Oregon is really at this point, kind of their, their bread and butter at this point, because I wouldn't consider them to be special in, in most other categories. Uh, and then you flip the coin. And the one thing that gave me pause in this game was that UCLA under Chip Kelly straight up again, because I looked at straight up, you know, not that great as well, you know, and that's just because UCLA had a longer uh, kind of journey to get to where they were right now. And um, they're one where their early trends impacted their overall trends. but eight and 13 uh, straight up and conference games, 13 and 16. They've been better in years past or more of like a 500 coin flip type team. And so that's what this game came down to. This is a coin flip game. Um, so even though UCLA is not a dominant home team, and I do believe that uh, it, it's kind of funny the college game day chose, I think this game to be at, and it's going to be probably 6am there out and out Los Angeles is going to be dark. And the only fan you'll see is that one, Washington State football flag fan, kind of waving it back and forth and probably probably nothing else to start. Um, but uh, overall, just give me the over, overall more experienced roster, which is UCLA at this point. They have a lot of seniors and super seniors, especially across the offensive line. Um, and then just give me the more experienced college coach at this point, which is Chip Kelly to come up with a better scheme. And overall, this is the biggest thing for me. Bet against the public perception that improves the status of the Pac-12, which if Oregon wins, it looks good for the Pac-12. If UCLA wins, it pretty much eliminates the Pac-12 from all contention. So when in doubt, bet against the Pac-12 from profiting in any way, shape, or form, and this is the type of game where the Pac-12 loses, which is UCLA wins. So uh, give me UCLA. Give me uh, the minus 2.5. I'm laying the points. Um, But essentially, this is a pickup game. They probably win by a field goal.
0: You know, I believe right next to the Washington State fan waving the flag, our very own Grayson Wimbish uh, might be in attendance for this game. I think he's actually very close to where College Game Day will be setting up. So at least two people will be there. Ed, round us out with this one before we go to the other big game in the Pac-12. Two
4: big Pac-12 games. What a world we live in. I am going to zag Chris here, and I'm going to go with Oregon for similar reasons that I went with Clemson. Um, I think Oregon's got a much higher ceiling. Obviously, they're probably more talent in roster. Um, and a big stat that jumped out to me that I think in a close game, um, you know, two big-time schools, college game day, all that good stuff, it'll probably be a close one for a while. But Oregon is outscoring opponents 72-31 to 31 in the fourth quarter. Um, I like a set like that in a game like this, where it could be close coming down to the end. Also very interesting that, uh, Moorhead will be back for Oregon calling the plays after being out for, I believe two weeks after having a surgery. So, um, that's kind of interesting. They've struggled without, you know, their play caller, which, you know, would make sense. I think Virginia tech would do better without their play caller, but that's a whole different story. Um, I'm going to go with Oregon here and their higher talent level offense. And that, Fantastic fourth quarter um, scoring record that they've got going on. So, Oregon, it is.
0: And you know, this is a big game because of the arch rival of Oregon. Oregon State is in a big game themselves. They are hosting Utah in Corvallis, Oregon. One of the. If do yourself a favor, go on Google Images and just image search Corvallis, Oregon. It's incredible the fact that College Game Day who had it down between this game. And the the UCLA Oregon game, they chose to go to UCLA Oregon because Oregon State ended up losing to Washington State. If Oregon State wins that game, they were actually scheduled to go to Utah Oregon State to Corvallis. So they go from potentially being one of the most picturesque, gorgeous campuses with an on campus stadium in college football to then going to the middle of downtown Los Angeles to a school that is counting down the days till basketball season. Great job, ESPN. You're always in the forefront of the industry, really are. But hey, this game, Utah minus three on the Pac-12 network. I think. Don't quote me on that. The game is at 7:30 p.m. Eastern time. The over/under is 55 and a half. Brett, the Utes or the Beavers?
2: Say, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna tail your bet this year on Utah. I, I'm not really. I'm, I haven't. Uh... I haven't watched a lot of Utah football and a lot of Oregon State football, to be honest. Granted, Oregon State was one of the worst teams in college football a few years ago, and they've really turned it around the last few years. So it's kind of hard to say. And it's Adam, Oregon State is a beautiful campus. Corvallis is beautiful. I've looked up pictures before this and I've seen it on, you know, college football magazines, TV, wherever you want to call it, social media. But uh, I'm on Utah here. I still think they're just leagues. Still, even Oregon State has improved. I still think they're leagues ahead of Oregon State right now in terms of talent and football play. Um, so I'm just tailing, I'm go trusting Sam here. You can put it in, you can put it in the, uh, the graphics, a tailing Sam, Jesse, uh, I'm going Utah minus three here.
0: So how do you know I'm picking Utah? Cause we don't discuss these picks beforehand. So how do you know I'm going Utah?
2: I mean, I have a good memory from the beginning of the year. Weren't they your favorite to win the pac 12?
0: They're my favorite to win the pac 12 South. I I know the back 12 South. And you know, a lot has changed for Utah since then. Charlie Brewer, who was a starting quarterback going into the year, he performed just flat out horribly. He's out. They are a much, much better football team right now with rising at quarterback. And I think if you look at this team statistically, they're very mediocre in just about everything. And I think that's because they were so bad to start the season and then have played very well since that they've now kind of Gotten into that mediocre range. Or Oregon State is a team that is not good in rush defense. They're 91st in EPA per rush. Um, and then they're 82nd in EPA per pass. But offensively, Oregon State is a phenomenal rushing team, eighth in the country in EPA per rush. I think that is where this game can be won. Utah's a team that can run the ball pretty well, and they're a team that can stop the run pretty well. So I really like, or uh, excuse me, Utah. I have been riding Utah the last couple of weeks. They have come back from the dead to the favorites in the PAC 12 South. I like them to win this game. Uh, another key stat here. And we talk about, you know, success on first and second down is so important in college football, just to keep tribes going. Utah is actually 22nd in the country in getting a first down on first and second down. They do it 73.7% of the time. So let's say Utah does get to third down. Well, Oregon State is 112th in the country at third down defense at giving up 48.81%. So I think Oregon State's gonna have a tough time keeping Utah off the field. I think Utah's gonna have a lot of sustained drives and really control this game. Another part of this that I, I think is important is Utah is averaging 31 half points per game already. I don't like looking at that stat a lot because it can get really wacky with. You know, playing bad teams and stuff, but I just think if Oregon State's struggling defensively to get off the field, and you're already playing a team that's going to score 30 plus, give me the Utes. I want to take Oregon State sentimentally because I can just see the leaves changing in Corvallis. It looks pretty. They got the chainsaw on the sidelines, but I think Utah's just a much better team. Utah's coming into their own now. Give me the Utes minus three.
1: Corvallis, Oregon is not only beautiful, it is a tough place to play. And granted, this is another Pac-12 game I don't really care about. I'm not a West Coast football guy. Sorry. Both teams have been extremely up and down. Corvallis is a very tough place to play, and the Beavers haven't lost there all year. And I don't think they will now. Um, I think if you add in the fact that they're being given three points here, uh, I just like the Beavers here. I mean keep it real short. I like the Beavers. Uh I am I guess I'm all in on football teams in the state of Oregon this week. And you know what? While we're at it, the Portland Trailblazers. 80 to 1 to win the NBA finals. Why not? Dame time, baby. <laughs>
0: 80 to 1. 80 to 1? Yes. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. I love I love Damian Lillard. Yeah. That, that that bet means that
3: like half of the NBA just ceases to exist. And so the Portland Trailblazers is the only team left of the better half of the bottom teams and that wins, right?
1: They get switched to the Eastern Conference like midseason.
3: There you go. Even then though, in this conference, as an NBA file, Eastern Conference is good. I don't think the Portland Trailblazers, but you do you. You do you, Ruby. <laughs> Although I admire... Irby's, uh, uh, uh brazenness with the Blazers, brazen Blazers, uh, but um, I'm also with you on Oregon State, and I'll, I'll be quick with it as well, but um, actually as a Pac-12 follower, I'm just not impressed with Utah overall, um, and just looking into the numbers, surprisingly just people who don't know much about Oregon State just based off their prior performance, um, they're grade out much higher than Utah uh, from, you know, looking at PFF grades. So overall as a program, you know, they grade out uh, as the, uh, 39th program, 88.4, pretty good. Um, and then Utah is 72nd right now at 82.3. And that, you know, that could be an indication from Utah, not performing early, uh, well early on the season and, and coming on somewhat better. Uh, but also just Oregon state's been steady. And the thing that I like about, uh, Oregon State in this game is they do one thing really well and that's run the football. So I love it when home underdogs have at least one elite part of their program. And for me, in Oregon State, that's rushing. And they're uh, currently right now a top ten rushing offense in all of college football. They're top ten. Um, so uh, the last part about this for me is just uh, Kyle Whittingham in Utah. It's, it's it's just boring. We've been here before. You know, they're not going to amaze you with anything, really. Um, and it's it's OSU. It's Corvallis. They're a night game. They're a home underdog. Um, this has all the makings of, like I said before, anything that can ne- negatively impact the public perception of the Pac-12 by having some of the more reputable programs lose, uh, specifically here in uh, night games as, you know, the better teams are featured as away favorites. You know, this is all the makings for Oregon State, not only covering, but winning outright. So I'm not going to lock it in. Give me the Beavers at plus three. I would look at it if I'm looking at kind of long shot parlays, uh, maybe pick up a long shot Pac-12 parlay, put UCLA, and then put Oregon State on there just to kind of combine the locks teams. I know Oregon, excuse me, UCLA is a favorite, but if you pair them together, I think you do get pretty good solid plus odds. And, um yeah, you know, ride ride the uh, the Pac-12 wave here this weekend. But um, one thing that probably can be guaranteed is the fact that there's going to be some some weirdness with Pac-12 football this weekend. I'm not going to spend a whole
4: lot of time on this one either. I, I I also like Oregon State, though, for a lot of the reasons that have already been mentioned. But coming off a bye, they're scoring 34 points a game. Um, and B.J. Baylor has a, is averaging 112 rushing yards per game. That's That's pretty good. And I just think at home, I like Oregon State in this one. And I hate this entire slate this week because there's a lot of Pac-12 on it, and I'd much rather there be a lot of SEC on it, but it's where we're at. I- I'm not convinced on Utah. I'm going to go with the home team here. and It's basically a pick them anyway. Um, Oregon State's offense sh- should be a lot of fun to watch. So that's one thing we know we'll get with these two prominent Pac-12 games this weekend is a lot of points. So. I'm going to roll with Oregon State here. I got Oregon and Oregon State, so I'm big on the whole state. I will not be big on Portland, though. The Trailblazers are not very good.
1: Dame time. Y'all sleeping.
4: It's Dame time. I'm all about Dame. I'm just not about the rest of the roster.
0: Well, we won't just be watching West Coast college football. We're watching some West Coast NFL as well. Arizona Cardinals. Still undefeated, they beat my brownies this week. And you can get in on the action in the NFL with DraftKings Sportsbook. You can bet just one dollar on any football game this week and receive one hundred and fifty dollars in free bets instantly, no matter what. When you opt in, there's same game parlays. There's daily fantasy. It's so much fun on the DraftKings Sportsbook. It's like an arcade for sports betting. It's incredible. Bet just one dollar on any football game this week, and you can get one hundred and fifty dollars in free bets instantly. And hey don't have sports betting in your state, that's okay. With DraftKings, you can play uh, any daily fantasy games that you want. No buy-in required available in any state. DraftKings is a safe, secure, and reliable site. And the best part is you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want.
1: Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code SOS to receive $150 in free bets instantly when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code SOS to get $150 in free bets instantly this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official, official sports betting partner at the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Virginia only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See draftkings.com/sportsbook for details. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call the Virginia Problem Gambling Helpline at 888-532-3500. All
0: right guys, let's take it back east. This game is our fan game. We got a few people mentioning this on Twitter. And I think the part of this game that makes it so interesting is you have undefeated and nationally ranked Wake Forest as only three-point favorites to Army. This game is on the road in West Point. Wake Forest three-point favorites. The game will be televised on CBS Sports Network at noon. The over under is at 52 and a half and a really interesting line for the highest ranked team in the ACC. Brett will the ACC save face in this one? Cause that's really all this game is about.
2: Yeah. I mean, gosh, what a terrible matchup for any ACC team at this point to be facing a triple option military Academy. I mean, it just feel like a trap every single time, at least for me, like, I and mean, Virginia the AC teams or anything, they were used to used to facing it that would play Georgia Tech every year. But <laughs> Georgia Tech still gave people uh fits. So that well, this is my thing. I still think Wake Forest is the better team. I still think they're not getting the recognition they deserve because of what's going on with Pittsburgh. And people are like, oh my gosh, Pittsburgh, you know, this, this, and this. But nobody's talking about Wake Forest. They're six and oh. They're playing really good football. Sam Harden is probably one of the he's not talked about it enough. He's been playing Really well, the defense. Wake Forest defense has been outstanding, especially to all the kids that we gave scholarships last year. All those guys have been are playing really well. So, this is my thing. I like Wake Forest, even though Army's been playing good. They're obviously there's always one year. There's the Military Academy team to beat. There this year it's Army. It seems like it's been Army as of recently more than Navy, more than Air Force, more than a few, more than uh than the other two. So, I'm going to Wake Forest Demon Deacons here. I think they still keep it going. Six and oh. uh my push bet of them with at six wins is already there, and I think they get over this weekend against Army, so I'm on wake here.
0: I'm on the demon deacons as well, and I think this line is. It's disgusting, and it's disgusting because this is an Army team that's coming off back-to-back losses. I know one of those losses was to Wisconsin. Wisconsin's not a great football team. Yes, they kept it close, but they did lose to Wisconsin. They lost to Ball State before that. Ball State is bad. Ball State's a mediocre MAC team. I really just don't understand this line at all. Army has averaged under 17 points per game in their last three games. Wake Forest's offensive output has been consistent, it has been sustainable and it has been electric. Here are their game total, here are their uh their points scored for their games this year. 42, 41, 35, 37, 37, 40. That's a team that knows how to score points. If you know coming off the bat, you're going to get, and even if army milks the clock on them, takes away a couple of possessions. I mean, let's say Wake Force scores 30 plus. There's not a shot Army's going to get to that number. There's not a shot. I would I really like Wake Forest in this game. I think Wake Forest is about to find out that they're not as good as they think they are. I think Vegas is trying to get you a week early on that. Don't fall for it. Wait till next couple weeks to start fading Wake Forest. Right now, I think you take the Demon Deacons. They have coaching on that staff that's used to going against some sort of a triple option. They're not all the same, but I think you have a coaching staff and a team that's just on a roll right now, and they feel like they're winning. They feel like winners right now in Winston-Salem. I think this game being on the road is what's taking it from what would probably be a five-and-a-half, six-point line to a three-point line. So unless you think Army is a really tough place to go and play a football game, I like Wake Forest in this one.
2: Sam, it's an interesting point. Sorry, I'm going to jump in again real quick. Dave Clawson, obviously, I think is probably one of the best coaches in the ACC. They're going to be disciplined. There's no doubt about that. And You have to be disciplined against the Army triple option. And secondly, just going back to what I said, all those points they're putting up, nobody's talking about them because everybody's talking about freaking Kenny Two Gloves and how how they're putting up 70 points on mid-tier, low-tier G5 teams.
1: Yeah, I mean, is this really what we're doing? I mean, the only undefeated ACC team left is only a three-point favorite against Army. Like, I, I know Wake plays a pretty ugly brand of football if you're the kind of person who loves explosive plays and that sort of thing. And I know that they haven't looked quite as good recently. That Syracuse game, yeah, wasn't great. The defense didn't look good. But I mean, come on. Army stinks. Like Sam said, they lost to Ball State three weeks ago. Ball State by twelve. They scored sixteen points in that game. I mean, come on. Like if Wisconsin, who is bad, can beat Army by six, Wake can do that and a lot more. Uh, I think. I think we're all kind of predicting Wake Forest to have a bit of a fall from grace. Uh, as much as we'd all love to see them in the college football playoff, they will. They will lose a game, maybe two, maybe three, down the stretch here. But that that's not happening this week. It's just not. This is going to be wakes, perhaps their last hurrah before the storm comes. Um, they're going to win this game, and they're going to win it by two touchdowns,
3: probably more. Yeah, I'll continue the trend here. I'm also on Wake Minus three. And uh, it, it's kind of uh interesting. I mean, I, I don't think Army is as bad as people kind of put it up to be. The fact that they lost the ball state doesn't look good, but overall they're they're a competent football program. This is more of an indictment to the fact that nobody really watches Wake Force, and nor should they, because they're they're them and Army, and we're talking about them possibly being good football teams, is like talking about your favorite brand of vanilla ice cream. Like that just Nobody cares about Wake Forest and Army football being good. Um, and if you look at Wake a little closer, it, it, it's actually kind of a bummer at this point because I was pretty low on them the beginning of the season. But for me, it was just because they do have a really strong schedule that they have to play, especially towards the latter half. So it did push me towards the bottom part of their over-under. Uh, but if you look at how they perform right now, um, they're, they're, they have the edge in terms of grading out on PFF. Uh, especially on offense, you know, they're, they're a top 10 offense right now, according to the grades out on PFF. That's something to keep an eye on. Um, And also uh, I I wanted to look at how they performed in terms of simple rating system, which to me is better than strength of schedules because it's kind of a balancing act between point differential um, and their actual strength of schedule. So the performance against their strength of schedule and right now they're a top 10 team in terms of the simple rating system. So, uh, comparatively to Army, who is uh, 39th overall. So, Army, not bad. They're a top 40-type team, but Wake is actually performing well above par. Uh, This is a game where I don't think Wake blows them out, but I think they win by a touchdown, and that's just because um, playing on the road. It's funny because playing at Mitchie Stadium in West Point, if you look at the actual games that Wake has played in, this might be the most kind of, difficult road environment or game environment they've had to play all season long and that's actually saying something and it's actually a testament to just how weak the acc is at this point and kind of the fan base is at this point but um give me wake minus three i'm not confident in it as a lock but I'm, i'm pretty confident uh to the fact that um i'm i'm just going with the overall better football program so give me the demon deacons yeah, I'm
4: on Wake here too. I'm going to follow the similar trend that I have for the first few picks, and that I'll follow for the last one as well. Which is uh, the more talented roster here gets the win. Um, I think Wake is extremely well coached, coming off of a bye. They've had time to prep for all of all of the fun that is Army and Military Academy football. Anyway, um, so I'm going to go with Wake here to cover win this game on the road. It should be a fun one to watch. Actually, I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, CBS always does a good job. And whenever the military academies are involved, it's always fun to watch. So I'm gonna go with Wake, uh, off a of bye, well coached team, better roster. Um, and now we get to talk about minor league football.
0: Oh boy, you're right. We get to talk about some minor league football. Uh the Syracuse Orange are coming into Lane Stadium. They don't come into Lane Stadium a lot, they haven't been to Blacksburg in a very long time. They are three-point underdogs to the three and three. Virginia Tech Hokies. This game will be on ACC Network Extra at 12.30 p.m. The over-under is currently set at 46. So not a terribly low over-under for this game, and it's a pretty close line. It's been hovering around 2.5 to 4 right now as of Wednesday night. It's landing at Syracuse plus 3. Brett, this is a... Uh, it. I don't even know if must win is the correct phrase for it. It just feels like a God, please win.
2: I'm not even praying anymore, Sam. That's the thing. It's just, I've gotten to that point. Like, it's really sad. You know, I'm not going to harp on it. Our colleagues over on the Sunday Saturday Pack podcast have already harped on this enough. I mean, there's really no need for us to harp on it anymore. On what's bad, what's good. We know what's bad, we know what's good. Sean Tucker. Nobody knows who he is because he plays at Syracuse. But this guy has put up insane numbers. As of last week, he had better numbers than Reggie Bush did when he won the Heisman. He had more rushing, receiving, and all-purpose yards from well, not all-purpose, from all from yards behind the line of scrimmage than Reggie Bush when he won his Heisman. Think about that. And he's not being talked about because he plays at freaking Syracuse, which I guess that kind of goes hand in hand. I feel like that happens more than than people know, but. Guys, I'm I'm sorry. I'm going Syracuse. I just I can't I have no reason to pick Virginia Tech. I don't. I've tried to argue a path to win the football win a football game for how many weeks now? I'm going Syracuse. I think even Virginia Tech can still win the game, but it's gonna be like seventeen to sixteen or something like that. I could see that very easily being it. Or maybe like maybe a push like seventeen fourteen. But still take Syracuse if you want the push. So I'm taking Syracuse in the points. I'm not, I'm not, I'm done talking about it. I don't, I don't have much to say.
0: You know, what's the one thing that I've always said since we start this show? My one motto for this. You don't just walk into Provo, Utah and come out with a win? You don't do that. You absolutely do not do that. But what Is else? Is that uh, everybody wang Chung tonight? I don't know. No, bet no, the really my age with that one. Bet the numbers, not the teams. Bet the numbers, not the teams. And I think it's really, really tough to do that in this game because we are so emotionally invested in one of the teams. And one of those teams has emotionally hurt us. I did backflips yesterday scouting for Virginia Tech, trying to see how they could match up with Pittsburgh. And they just couldn't execute it. This game. I think is so pivotal for the future of the program. I understand how fans might be checked out right now. I don't blame fans for being checked out. And to be honest, even I'm a little bit more worried about the Browns playing on Thursday night with their entire second string offense than I am for this game against Syracuse. But that doesn't mean the players are checked out. Like for them, it's much easier to get back in that mindset. And so, okay, now we're now we're watching film. Now we're practicing. Now we're running the scout team. Now we're doing this. So I think, in that terms, like the fans have given up more than the team has. So let's push that aside and just look at this game. Syracuse is a team that is a. Above average, pretty good rushing team, but a bad throwing team. They're 98 in EPA per pass. Virginia Tech has been phenomenal defensively in passing defense. They're 14th in defensive EPA per pass. Syracuse, we were talking about Sean Tucker. He's been so amazing this year. He really has been a phenomenal player, and he definitely deserves to be first-team all-ACC running back. But they're only 38th in EPA per rush. I think the reason for that is, although they – Are putting up gaudy numbers rushing the ball, they're not really adding much to their offense by rushing the football. And I think that's where Virginia Tech can be the better team because, yes, will Syracuse probably have a gaudy rushing total at the end of this game? Probably. But gaudy rushing totals don't always mean gaudy point totals. And Syracuse hasn't really scored that well. Um, they've been in some games, some shootout games where the game script has gone that way. But if you look at that Clemson game, yes, Clemson's a very good defense, rushing defense. Clemson's not like they're good, but my goodness, Syracuse didn't move the ball or do anything. They had a long pass on a, a weird, like busted coverage where the safety and cornerback collide. And then they get a touchdown there. Like I I don't think this Syracuse offense is going to be able to do much against tech's defense. And I mean, I think if tech can score three touchdowns, they have a chance to win this game. Uh, I, I really do. And I think, gosh, I mean, but that's just so hard. They really haven't scored three offensive touchdowns that much this season. Have they? I mean, Virginia tech is 103rd in the country in EPA per rush. They're 116th in EPA per pass. This is not an offense that can do anything. I think Virginia Tech, though, will throw the kitchen sink in this game. I think we can all agree on that. I think they will try to go and block punts. They'll try some trickeration on offense. They'll try anything. I think you will see some Wildcat without Burmeister in there. I think you'll see some trick plays. I think you'll see them... Try to really attack young defensive backs from Syracuse with a lot of that smoke and mirrors offense. That seems to be the only thing Brad Cornelson has been able to do at Virginia Tech. He's playing a very, very young defensive team, especially a young defensive backs team. I think Syracuse makes one or too many, too many, one or too many mistakes. Virginia Tech can maybe get some points on special teams and defense, win the turnover battle, win the field position battle, and maybe you cover three. I'm saying Virginia Tech solely for my sanity. And I think this game ends probably, I would say, 20 to 14 Virginia Tech. But my goodness, it feels wrong. It it just, that's a hard one, but I think Virginia Tech can win a really ugly football game.
1: Yeah, this is just painful, isn't it? I mean, we're sitting here debating over whether we're going to beat Syracuse. At home. we On the uh, Atlantic Prediction podcast, we were sitting here laughing at how bad we thought Syracuse was going to be. And now here I am picking Syracuse to cover a three-point spread against Virginia Tech in Lane Stadium. I mean, goodness gracious. Um, I think the key here for Syracuse is actually their defense. And here's the thing. As bad as Virginia Tech's offense looked last week, Syracuse has a better defense than Pitt does. Uh, right now, Syracuse is number one in the ACC in passing yards per game as a defense. Um, that's going to make things pretty difficult for Braxton Burmeister. Add on the fact that their rushing defense is equally as strong. Uh, that one is fourth in the conference right now in yards per game. Um, that's going to make it even more difficult because I think what a quarterback like, like Burmeister needs is um a stronger running game in order to open up those passing lanes what we saw last week was Pitt absolutely stuffed the run and the Hokies had to go away from that pretty early and Burmeister set a career high for pass attempts and that clearly didn't go well so I think we're going to see another game like that um right now pro football focus has Syracuse's defense ranked as the third best defense in the conference uh behind only NC State and Boston College um I don't love what Garrett Schrader brings to the table for Syracuse as a passer, um, but I really don't think it matters. He's a running quarterback, and we've seen how Virginia Tech can struggle with running quarterbacks at times. I think this is an ugly football game. Um, Brett threw out the score 17-14. to 14. I'm going to take that, but I'm going to flip it. I think Syracuse wins this game 17-14. to 14. Um, I think that they make just enough plays, especially in the running game. I think Tech's defense has really struggled when they get tired because the offense just keeps going three and out. And if you keep having minute and a half to two-minute long drives with your offense, eventually the defense is just going to get tired out no matter how good they are. Um, I think that that's kind of how things are going to play out down the stretch for a lot of games with Tech this year. Um, And I see this is more the same. I think Syracuse gets the win on the road here.
3: I'll, I'll ask a quick question to Sam kind of facetiously here, but uh, if Braxton Burmeister is the one throwing that kitchen sink, mm-hmm. uh, does he throw it? Does he throw it confidently? Is it, is it in the flat?
0: Is it completed? Does he complete the kitchen sink? Um, but I actually think here's the thing. I think with those oration plays or those, you know, the issue for Virginia Tech when they've ran a couple of those is uh you look at the Notre Dame game, it's he and Trey Turner were on a different page. Trey Turner was running a different play. Uh Trey Turner runs the correct route right there. It's a huge touchdown. And I, I think that is where Virginia Tech has faltered, where it's not as much like is Braxton Burmeister a good pure throw over football? No, but he doesn't have to be, you know, like, he doesn't have to be Justin Herbert back there, right? Mm-hmm. He just needs to get the ball to the guys. And I think that's what they've struggled with when they're doing mm-hmm. these kind of kitchen sink plays or they're throwing it deep or something. They've been on different pages. They've been, you know, a pass interference, on get called, something like that. So I, I think you're going to see some wild stuff. Like I think yeah. you could see a screw it, four verts, everyone go downfield because I think they are at their wits end because nothing else is working.
3: And that's where I've kind of just checked out on the program because how long has Braxton Burmeister been in the program, both as just a, a person who's been along the developmental kind of, I can't even call it a power curve, but just along for the ride. And we're mid-season in this kind of full first year as a starter, and we're we're hoping we still see it. And it's, I, I just don't think it's going to happen. So oh, I'll start this off by just saying like, It seems weird that, you know, with the history that we've had with Syracuse going back to the Big East days, like it just feels like when you've paid attention to kind of the overall, you know, just kind of uh, 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 narrative in the program, there's been very little talk about this week in terms of just noise and excitement about facing an older conference rival. So for my one question is just, do we get 50,000 fans in attendance in Lane Stadium? It's a noon kickoff. We just came off, not just one, but kind of two disappointing losses. And I just think that we're going to struggle to get energy in the crowd for people to get up and do, you know, kind of what they need to do for a fan perspective. So will this be a flat game? I think it'll be kind of the same environment as we faced Richmond. It'll be a kind of an FCS kind of random, you know, scheduled win type game where we think Houston's is coming in. We're going to beat them and it'll be a flat crowd. Um, so, uh, The another thing I looked at was just the overall state of the program. VT just seems to have kind of like an odd black cloud over it over the moment. Um, Fuente talking this week at the kind of Monday presser about needing more conference was just kind of odd, assuming confidence uh, was just kind of odd to me. And of all the things he could have talked about, that was kind of a weird narrative that he chose to speak specifically about. And to me, it kind of felt like he was, he was subtweeting, Braxton Burmeister because you can't think about one player needing to play with more confidence other than him. Because if you look at the first few weeks versus the last two weeks, um, this was a person who was playing like decent, but not great, but also not poorly. He was doing what it took to kind of keep us in the game and win games. And then you look at the last few weeks, and I think his quarterback rating and passer rating dropped off by almost 50 points within the last few weeks. And that's just something that is kind of inexplicable And to chalk that up is kind of like you need to play with more confidence. It almost, to me, it seemed like he was saying this team, but in essence, he was just saying, hey, Braxton, you need to play better or else we're going to stink. Sam, you seem like you had to say something real quick. I was was
0: just going to point out that his quarterback rating was an 11.9. Yes. And And it's, it's a downward trajectory every single game so far this year. I think his best outing was actually the West Virginia game. Yeah, that was because the last two drives offensively, they were chucking the ball downfield pretty well, actually.
3: Even if you look at his passer ratings, which are a little bit more favorable, you know they were kind of in the 140s. I think in West Virginia, which we all can agree was not great, he was in the 120s. And then you look at Notre Dame and Pitt, and he was at like 90 and 70-ish, per, uh, respectively. So just an absolute plummet off the side of a cliff. In um, this matchup, I don't think, presents them with a much better overall matchup uh, against Qs. And for me, I look at what does Cuse do well? Uh, they attack the other team behind the line of scrimmage. So they're really good at tackles for loss and their secondary is really good in coverage. So let's look at that tackles for loss because what does Tech do? We run lateral plays to the sidelines and that just leaves a lot of real estate for our players to essentially get tackled for multiple losses in the game. So they have seven point four three tackles for loss per game right now. That's good for thirteenth in the nation. That's better than Pittsburgh. Uh, they're three point four three sacks per game. That's tenth in the nation. That's right there with Pittsburgh. And overall, in coverage score, so we're talking about their ability to just essentially just deny our ability to throw downfield. Eighty point one PFF coverage score. That's thirty second in the nation. Pitt was sixty fourth. Pitt held us to seven points. Granted, the win's not going to be there, but Wind plus Pitt does not equal the 32nd best pass coverage defense in the nation. So make no mistake. We're playing a better defense than Pitt this week, uh, if not, at least on par. Uh, so with techs offensive ability at the moment and the lack of quote unquote confidence, I just think we're going to struggle to score points once again. Um, then you look at the Q offense. I'm not going to go too deep into it, but just know that VT's rush defense is not good. They're 90th in the nation and, that's what Cuse does the best. So once again, that's a bad matchup overall. I don't think it matters if Garrett Schrader can throw the ball at all whatsoever. He he, he can throw kind of what he looks like, which is he, he kind of looks like a mountain man out there. He's just going to basically just kind of take the football, be uh, gritty uh, and kind of essentially do what it'll take to manage the game and not necessarily give turnovers, which that's another thing. And the last part that I'll make is Syracuse doesn't turn the ball over. Um, At least not uh, to once we can think that we're going to be able to take advantage of. And that's also um, the fact that is Jermaine Waller fully healthy? Is he going to be able to take advantage of any kind of errant throws if Schrader does throw the ball down the field? I I just don't think it's there. Um, Last red flag for me was I look at Sharp Football. Sharp Football actually had Cuse as an adjusted minus three favorite in this game. So that's a seven-point swing. I normally look at that with like, does it need to be 10 points or more? Uh, but seven points is still something that kind of raises the hair on the back of my neck. So for me, Qs plus three, beware of the straight-up win for Qs on the road here. And, of course, it was at four. It went down to three. And as we all know, Virginia Tech as a plus or minus three against the spread. Was it two and 13 now? Two and 14? Or is it two and 12? I can't remember. It's two and whatever, and it's not good. And I think it's Two continuous. and 12, I think, now. Two and 12. I would probably predict two and thirteen half this week. So give me cues, give me the points. Unfortunately, we continue to slide down to the bottom.
4: I got two different locks on this game that go hand in hand with each other. The first one is Virginia Tech is a lock to win this game. And a locked cover. The second one is if they don't, it's a lock that Justin Fuentes fired. Monday morning. But I'll go back to the first one for a second because that's what we're talking about here. Uh, I have faith in the Virginia Tech defense, particularly the safeties and linebackers to mitigate the run as best as possible and make Syracuse beat us in the air. And I think our corners are good enough to stop the Syracuse passing time. Even without Waller, I think we still that's a that's a bright spot on this gloomy team so far has been our defensive backs and our defense in general. So I think they're able to stop the run enough that they can keep this within striking distance. Um this is Syracuse is not pit. They're not a high powered offense. I don't see them going out and putting up twenty-eight. Um, because we all know Virginia Tech's not gonna get to twenty-eight. So I think Virginia Tech can keep Syracuse under 20. The question then becomes, can Virginia Tech score 20? Man, I'm just going to err on the side of being extremely hopeful that they can. Um, I would love to see, and we've all been saying it all year long, Braxton running the ball, which is what he's best at. Um, but for some reason, the staff is just so reluctant to do that, even if it means losing every game and getting fired in the process because they're too afraid to get him hurt. Um I think Virginia Tech's offense is able to get this done. I hate this game so much because if we win, that's great. The program's still just kind of hovering. If we lose, we're bottoming out. Um, I hate this game. I hate betting this game. I'm glad I can't because I live in Virginia. But I'm going to go with Virginia Tech here. I think the defense gets it done and can stop the run. I have no confidence in Syracuse's passing game to be able to beat us through the air. I think. Maybe Tavian Robinson or Troy Turner carries us because the running backs won't on, unless it's the uh, Malachi Thomas second half of the season Heisman run we got going on here. But I'm going to go with Virginia Tech and their defense to cover, not the offense. I will say, Ed, the last time you walked in a Virginia
2: Tech win on cover was against UNC at home. And you haven't done it since, so – yeah, I was drinking the Kool-Aid back then. Well, I'm just saying. You're, you're right. Of your you're one, right. And 0. You're 1 and 0, So
0: And this does feel like a game where maybe afterwards, if Virginia Tech were to win, obviously it's still a bit of doom and gloom considering that they've had four games against tough teams and they've lost three of them. But maybe it is a game where you're like, okay, it goes back to what Frank Beamer used to say. It's never as good as it seems, and it's never as bad as it seems. Maybe this is one of those situations where inside the locker room, it's not as bad as it seems. I would like to think that Virginia Tech can match up with Syracuse mano but mano um, but that is wishful thinking at this point, and I don't want to harp on it too much because, to be honest, they don't deserve the airtime after what we've seen the last few weeks. So... Let's move on to some other stuff. Looking at college football nationally, we're not going to do Virginia Tech prop bets. We're going to look at a little bit national. I'm going to ask one question. We're going to spend just a couple minutes on it. Is it worth putting a future bet on anyone not named Georgia or Alabama to win the national title this season? I'm going to open up the floor to you guys. Go for it. Absolutely not.
4: I don't think there's any team in the country that can compete with either of those two. Um, is Cincinnati, what ranked second right now? They're going to get boat raced by either of those teams. I, I, I don't see it. I think the talent gap between Alabama and Georgia is unbelievably wide. I, I, I can't see it. But you know that means it's going to happen, and Oregon's going to somehow come out of nowhere and win, which is fine. I think I threw like five bucks on them at the beginning of the year, so I won't be too mad. But I can't see it. I think Georgia and Alabama are in a league of their own right now. Strictly for value.
2: Caleb Williams has Oklahoma looking like a completely, completely different team. Almost feels like when Tua took over in that second half for Alabama, this almost is what it feels like in Oklahoma. I think they're the only team, the way they're playing now with him, that could even compete with these two teams. Um, so I think for value strictly, Oklahoma's sitting at fourth right now. They're in. They went out. They're still in. They can get in.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. And maybe that's a, maybe that's part of that is bias because I, in addition to my Oregon plus 920 bet to make the playoffs, I also have a bet on Oklahoma plus 800 to win the national championship. And that value has gone all the way to plus 1400. That's pretty good value. And right now with Caleb Williams at the helm, this Oklahoma team looks pretty much like what we thought they would look like coming into the season with Spencer Rattler. I mean, quarterback play was kind of that missing piece and this is a very talented oklahoma team their defense is still better than other oklahoma defenses of the past and like there's a reason why people were confident myself included but a lot of experts out there um you know i i think among all of us we all had some faith in oklahoma to do some damage and i think that uh, with williams back there as long as you know his freshmanism doesn't come out. Why can't they win at all? I know George is good, but if they get into a, any sort of a showdown offensively, I like the Sooners in that one.
2: Caleb Williams looks just like Patrick Mahomes. Um, I mean, granted, not there yet, but the way he plays, and the way he just slings the ball around, and his mobility while on the run, it's almost—it's like. Look, it's like watching like a junior match. match
0: back Who did Oklahoma play last
1: week? Uh, I, Texas Christian University. Yeah, How I mean, did
0: they win by?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Sam. You know the answer, don't you? No, Sam? no.
0: I want you. I want you to have this self-discovery moment. Yeah, yeah. Seems like say it. Twenty-one. They <laughs> won by wow. twenty-one. Twenty-one. Okay. Yeah, they put up
2: fifty-two though. It wasn't.
0: Do not, do not, do not bet against Alabama or Georgia to win this. Oh, no, I'm not
2: saying this is like a for sure thing. I'm saying for strictly value.
0: If I don't, out. it's not worth the investment. I really do not think it's worth the investment. It's only, and I'll interject
3: here. It is only worth the investment if you can get a huge return. And so I'm going to sprinkle some return in here and it's going to blow your minds. Michigan plus three five zero zero thirty five hundred And here is my case. All right. Yes. Do I believe that this is going to happen? Probably not. But as a, just a flyer bet on a massive, massive, massive game, you gotta do it. So, Right now, you look at the schedule. They have two road games. This will decide their path. And so if this does not happen, I I, I sincerely apologize for anybody who makes a massive business in Michigan because you tread at your own risk. But let's just embrace the fact that it's 2007 all over again. Let's embrace the chaos. We have no idea what's going to happen. Alabama, we thought, was just a, just going to run over the entire not only SEC, but just all college football. And all of a sudden, they lose to a team without a quarterback on the road in Texas a um do we believe in georgia i do but outside of that you know anything can happen and for all i know going into the college football playoff and championship mindset it's still a kirby smart led football program we have no idea if they're going to be able to pull through so for me you look at it do i think michigan's better than michigan state and penn state yes i do and they're performing well above par based off of previous years in terms of simple rating system, they're the team right behind Georgia right now that is outperforming their expectation, both in strength of schedule and actually point differential against that strength of schedule. So they're actually doing what they're supposed to do. And a lot of that is predicated upon their defense. And so for me, when I'm looking at 2007 again, I'm looking at variability and what's going on. I'm looking at what the outlier is. And this year, the team's performing really well on defense. Those are the teams I'm going to be betting on And Michigan has that type of defense this year. So the last game that they have that it will be the differentiator for them is Ohio State at home. And just wouldn't it be perfect this year if Harbaugh finally breaks through, he beats Ohio State at home, he breaks his streak of not beating Ohio State, and then all of a sudden Michigan fans go crazy. They're in the college football playoff. They lock up Harbaugh for a seven-year extension for like a $100 million buyout, and they're stuck into the khakis for just almost a decade more, it would be absolutely perfect. But um, I'm not saying this will happen, but a plus 3,500, I'm absolutely putting at least a little tidbit on that one as an overall investment because I've already leveraged myself heavily with Georgia this year. So I need to find something out there. Come on. So let's, let's go with Michigan. Let's go with something weird. This is 2007. Come on. Let's go Wolverines.
0: Talking to make the college football playoff, not to win the college football playoff, Robert, what did we get Cincinnati at to start the season to make the college football playoff? That's 2,700. Uh, what is Cincinnati now to make the college football playoff on the DraftKings Sportsbook? They're plus 105. I was about
1: to say, I don't have it pulled, it up, pulled up. I'm going to need you to odds.
0: tell me. It's even odds right now for Cincinnati. I'm just saying to people out there that the boat has left. It is out at sea. And we're all having a glorious time on our ocean voyage on our cruise ship, we're drinking daiquiris and martinis at night and it's lovely. And yeah, you missed the boat because Cincinnati you're, is going to the college football playoff guys. You're Man. you're
3: going to hate that when they lose the SMU in late November. No, nope. it's just oh, going to feel happening. so bad. That's it's gonna not break, happening. That's going to break my heart
0: because it's not happening.
2: I, Mike and I were so, I, there probably was a few of us on here, but I just remember Mike and I were, especially Mike who's not with us tonight was he locked it in and he locked it in.
0: Mike Mike said, Mike said it was of all the teams in college football. It was the biggest lock to make the college football playoff. And I don't, I mean, they look outstanding. The other G five teams that have been in the conversation for it are simply doing it by outscoring teams. They're beating teams by 40 plus and they're beating them like 50 to 10. They do have some tough games. Houston in the championship game will be very tough. And SMU is a good team, but they're not a great team. I, uh, yeah, Cincinnati, I'm a big fan of the Bearcats for the rest of the year, them in Utah. But, uh, all right, going to more of the conference, working our way down the ladder, going to the conference. Who's a conference champion that you love right now, the future on? I'll start. They have a huge game in the Mountain West. San Diego State at Air Force is a massive game in the Mountain West. San Diego State is the best team. They've been ranked. They just squeaked by San Jose State with a really poor offensive performance in overtime, but they're at plus five hundred to win the championship in the Mount West, and they're by far the best defense. I like that. If they win on the road at Air Force, that will probably go down to like plus two hundred. So, thinking about taking it now, they're the best team right now. Um, and then I'm, I, I don't, I didn't see another one that I liked uh, because who knows what we're going to get consistency wise from Pittsburgh and who knows what we're going to get in the Pac-12.
3: You got to have some vision, Sam. You got to look out there, and you got to see what the value is. So same value, thing for me. Was a, the value same thing for me think is, might be with Utah. but Yeah, say, same thing for me. Excuse me, as my Michigan bet. I'm looking at big odds here. I'm I'm taking long flies because we're halfway through the season. So you have to look at somebody who actually has a realistic shot but has four-digit-plus numbers next to their name, in order to get that big return that we try to promise our listeners in terms of overall value. Uh, So you have six games, for the most part, left for everybody. So it has to be a conference where there are no clear winners. There are only a variable of collective losers. And so for me, that looked at primarily the ACC and the Pac-12 as the most up-in-the-air conferences that there is right now. And then you look at from that mix, and the best team who I also picked To win this week is Oregon State to win the Pac 12 at plus 1600. Because if they do win this game this week, that will be an inside path for them to be able to win the Pac 12 North, get into the title game. And for all I know, BYU, who's not even in the Pac 12 South, might be the best team in the Pac 12 South because the rest of that conference stinks. So this would be fitting in terms of. I think we've said it before over and over and over again. I just alluded to it. Just embrace the chaos. Oregon State has won the Pac-12 before. It has been 21 years. The last time they had a co-championship game was back in 2000. They were co-champs with Washington. They went 11-1 overall. and They had two unknown players you might not have heard before. Chad Cinco johnson and TJ Hushmanzada give me the Oregon State Beavers at plus 1600 to win the Pac-12 South as an outside flyer right now. Grab it while you still can.
1: You know, I'm going to go with, maybe you could consider this a little chalkier. I mean, it's definitely not four-digit plus odds. Um, But Clemson right now is plus 320 to win the ACC. And again, that's not going to give you that crazy payout that Chris is talking about. But anytime you can get the Clemson Tigers, who have won every ACC championship since 2015, is that right? I don't know. It's a lot in a row. Uh, Anytime you can get them at 3-1, to a little better than that actually, that's a pretty good value. Um, I think their biggest hurdle right now will be NC State. That NC State loss is going to hurt them because now they essentially need State to lose two. Uh, But I think that State actually has a pretty tough um, schedule down the stretch here. They have to travel to Florida State. They have to travel to Miami, uh, travel to Wake on November 13th. Huge game, by the way. Really hope game day's there. Uh, You got Louisville at home, Syracuse, UNC. I mean, honestly, the easiest game on that schedule is probably what, UNC? I mean, NC State... It is the ACC we're talking about here. Anything can happen. Um, I think that State could lose a couple games here and Clemson has the talent to kind of take control of this conference again, even though their playoff hopes are non-existent. I think that if Clemson can come out of this season with an ACC championship, I think they'll be happy, all things considered. And if you're listening to what I'm saying and you're like, no way, NC State's plus 550. So there you go.
2: Yeah, I'm with... I'm with Irby here. I think – well, actually, I'm not with Irby. I'm going to retract what I said. Clemson's not a bad play. That's a little chalk here. But, I mean, you might as well sprinkle it on – I mean, based on coastal chaos. Forget coastal chaos. The Atlantic is where the exciting parts are coming this year. Between Clemson, NC State, Wake Forest, I mean, one of those three teams is getting in. And Wake Forest, that plus – I have a plus 550. North Carolina State at plus 450. Clemson at plus 290. I mean, you sprinkle some bets up in there, up, put your value in between where you want to make more money at, but any of those three teams are going to win. So no matter what, you're probably going to make money if you bet any of those teams. I mean, Wake Forest, obviously it's not getting the love. Still are plus plus 550 undefeated ACC team. The only one left. And I don't know. I like that. I mean, Pittsburgh's plus 130 Pittsburgh's not winning the ACC championship. I'm sorry, guys. They're not doing it. Um, either they're going to lose a game before they get there or lose two games before they get there, or they're going to get there and they're going to lose to the three teams that I mentioned beforehand. So, And they play one of them this week. So you'll find out what Pittsburgh's got this week. Virginia Tech's not a good test for them, not a good eye test for them, was never a good eye test for them. So, yeah, I, that's really conference champions I love. Or, comp, yeah, or Wake Forest, North Carolina State, Clemson, any of those three. All plus odds, insane to me.
0: All right, guys. We're going to wrap it up with games we love real quick. Anything you love on the board. Couple that I'm looking at really quickly. Oklahoma's only minus 39 against Kansas. (laughs) It sounds dumb, but I mean, Oklahoma, if they score 50, there's no way Kansas is scoring a couple touchdowns on them. So crazy ones like that, guys. It's one of those seasons. And if Williams is as good as we think he is, they could very well cover minus 39 in that game. Um, I, I also, you know, again, I, I really like Oregon at UCLA. I think that's a really good one. And uh, my number one lock of the entire week is out west. A midnight start. Hawaii is hosting New Mexico State. This is the second time that these two teams have played. Um, this is part of a, the NCAA has actually done some things to help some lower budget programs. And one of them is Mexico state just plays more games. Um, Hawaii is minus 17 and a half. This is the Colt Brennan Memorial for Hawaii. And they already beat New Mexico state by 20. They're playing this one on the islands at home. Hammer Hawaii, not a shot. They lose this game, not a shot. It's close. Hawaii is going to score 50 plus. Hammer the Rainbow Warriors in this game.
2: Sam, get the uh get the Cha Ching ready because there's a lot of locks in the we We to talk about BYU minus four and a half at a Washington State team without a football coach and without a staff. Only four my only four and a half point favorites. Lock that one in. Uh misses oh miss. Only nine points favorites against a coach that's not gonna have a job at the end of the year and missing all of their pretty much any of their good players. Only nine point favorites at home. Archie Manning is going to be there. They've already lined the field with his name. I mean, it's going to, I mean, it's going to be electric down there in Oxford. Uh, last lock. I still, I'm not sure why I get this. I don't know if I'm missing something about Boston college that happened. I'm not sure of Boston college is six point dogs at Louisville. Louisville stinks. And we need, and Boston college has looked better than we thought. So even without uh jerk, however you want to say it. So, I have three locks that aren't even on their card, which is BYU minus four and a half, Ole Miss minus nine, and if you can get it at minus nine, that's where you get it. So I, I see some reactions going on between this Appalachian State Coastal game, so there must be something crazy happening.
0: Coastal just recovered a fumble on a second and goal play, uh, but oh. that was mine. I I hammered Coastal Carolina tonight. If you see my Twitter. Yeah.
1: Any others Four guys? Games. Yeah, I have a couple. I have a couple 3-point lines. Uh
0: Those killed mm-hmm. me last week by the way.
1: Yeah, those are typically the ones that are tougher to pick, but I have two 3-point lines that I think don't make any sense at all. Uh I like Purdue plus 3 at home against Wisconsin. Purdue just cracked the top 25 and is that warranted? Probably not, but Wisconsin sucks. Like sorry, they do. And I think they're getting some love because they've won two in a row, but that's against some pretty lackluster competition um, and more so because of their pedigree. I think Purdue could be in for a letdown, but I think I like their chances more at home, especially being given three points at home. Um, And then the other one I like is I like NC State minus three against Miami. Uh, State is just a much better football team than Miami is. Miami is on a downward spiral. And I think that this game could be really ugly. I think NC State wins this one by three, maybe four touchdowns. And this could be the end of the Diaz era at Miami.
3: Irby, I'm with you on NC State. That was the one that I circled out of all of them uh, with Eric King, Derek King, pretty much mailing it in. I think a couple more roster personnel they have mailing it in. And it just seems like that one's headed downward. I wanted to stay away from the Ole Miss kind of LSU line because it was almost double digits. And I do feel like there is some potential for kind of the uh, Ewing theory. Was it Bill Simmons, ESPN kind of addition by subtraction? So I didn't know if the team would actually play better because they are talented overall as a roster um, to cover uh, at least in that game just because they did play well last week against Florida. Uh, But the other line, um, and this is the one that I've been paying attention to just because I'm a USC fan at, at heart from my prior allegiances prior to joining Virginia tech, but USC plus six and a half on the road against Notre Dame. I hate USC in this game. I would actually take the Irish full board minus six and a half. I think the Irish actually blow USC out of the water. This team is actually just in a complete downward spiral as well. They don't really have any real vision or attraction in the game. And the biggest thing about them is their offensive and defensive lines are still pretty bad overall And Notre Dame, pretty solid in each respect, especially on defense. And I just don't see how USC score points on the road. Um, so give me the Irish as much as it pains me to say that. Uh, but the good news is that they've already made the decision to search for a new coach. And uh, maybe that decision should be uh, brought to attention in another known program that we all know and love. So uh go Irish and just capitalize on the fact that USC is just is completely in rebuild mode. So.
0: I actually am a little bit wary of the Miami NC state line. Miami has potentially figured some stuff out on offense. I know they're going to be without starting running back, but I think that could be kind of a trap game for NC state. Who's probably feeling themselves pretty good right now. We saw how after the Clemson win, Uh, North Carolina State didn't play as well against Louisiana Tech at home. They go up to Boston College. They get a big win. I think this could be kind of a light-down game for NC State. They tend to have these. And Miami is a team that I think they feel like they deserve a win. They've been in a lot of close games. So that could be a trap game for the Wolfpack. All right, guys. That'll about wrap it up for us. It's been a ton of fun. Hopefully, the Hokies can perform a little bit better this weekend and come out on top. That'll do it for us. Thanks for listening. And as always, hit us up on Twitter. Go Hokies.
4: Isabella, I'm thinking it through Everything I gotta do